0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Onyx Hunt and Onyx Maps. Now, I got to have a a little heart-to-heart with you here real quick. I used Onyx Maps on my phone every single day during the hunting season whether i was out west during my elk hunt south dakota mule deer hunt or my rut vacation in iowa i was on my phone using onyx maps every part of the day whether i was looking at terrain features uh on the topographic and and satellite maps that they offer on their uh uh, on their app, or if I was leaving a waypoint like a watering hole, or where I left my trail cameras or tree stands, or if I was marking a route from a campsite to a glassing position, or from my truck to a tree stand location, I used Onyx Maps every single day. And I feel like it's an app that made my life a little bit easier. I don't know about you, but uh, there's been times in the past where I have been trying to find a tree stand based off of memory and not off of looking at a map, and uh, I I have gotten lost in the dark before. I had to wait till sun up and then and then you know find it that way, but that problem does not exist anymore because of onyx and uh, there's a ton of other features that i think you guys need to check out go to onyxmaps.com and uh, check out uh, all the functionality of the app uh, download it to your phone give it a try and when you do decide to purchase enter the discount code nation 20 nation 2 and for new users you're going to re- Receive 20% off. So, onyxmaps.com.
1: My name is Clay Newcomb, and I'm the host of the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast. I'll also be your host into the world of hunting the icon of North American wilderness, the bear. We'll talk about tactics, gear, conservation. We'll also bring you into some of the wildest country on the planet, chasing bears. Happy New Year, Colby. Happy New Year. It's 2020, man. Yeah. Hey, the first issue of Bear Hunting Magazine for 2020 is out in the hands of subscribers. Mm -hmm. It's got a article called "Guard the Gate." It's got a cool cover. Yep. I felt when I got the cover even though we're the ones that did it I felt like I'd been punked yeah you'll have to see what I mean to see yeah. it there's a great article called, called guard the gate in there that you'll yep. want to check out also our our partners at the Western Bear Foundation their their president Joe Condellis wrote an article called death in taxes yep so uh, Western Bear Foundation is represented in there the article's not really about the Western Bear Foundation but it's uh, about one of Joe's Big adventures up in Alaska. Yeah. And uh, so check out Western Bear Foundation at uh, westernbearfoundation.net. Also, check out Northwood's bear products. Man, it is going to be no time before we're baiting spring bears.
2: I know. I'm already smelling the stuff. you smelling the... the, <laughs> the smelling the, the grease. The butterscotch
1: uh, uh, gold rush.
2: Yeah, the gold rush. We
1: we busted... We had a bottle of that in the back of our truck the other day.
2: I smelled it when I got in the truck the other day. No, kids... It's
1: pretty stout the, the boys somehow cracked the lid on it, and uh, anyway, that's incredible stuff. I'm surprised the bear didn't come out of its state of torpor to yeah. break into my truck. Yeah. But uh, check out Northwoods bear products for a full line of commercial scents. And I always say it, but my go-to stuff is the Northwoods Gold Rush our Additive. Yeah. If you're baiting bears, it just makes sense. Yeah. Lastly, DU Hunting Supply. W Hunting Supply. Mm-hmm. I just got two of their alpha, well, it's a, it, it connects to an alpha collar, but their mini TT15 collars for my squirrel dogs. Yep. And those guys are are world renowned for their customer service. So check out our good friends over at W Hunting Supply. Yep. And uh, hey, let's get to this podcast with Mo Shepherd. Mo is a m- true, true, Ozark mountain man, one of the best hunters that I know, and that we're going to have a good conversation with him. Yep. Happy Mo's New Year. Man. Happy New Year. I said he was a veteran podcaster. Look at that. You can't even get over. that on right. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's something <laughs> right when I stick it in there. Or... <laughs> there you go. We'll just put it down like that. There we All go. All right. Mo Shepherd, veteran podcaster. Did you know, Mo, that uh, that I assign out... The podcast that we did—it was last December. Last December, me and you did a podcast on spot and stalk bear hunting mm-hmm. in the uh, in the eastern deciduous forest. We were talking about hunting in the Ozarks and in the Washtals. I get asked that question probably more than anything. People people will private message me on Instagram or Facebook or Want to something. Know about that? And well, well, that what they'll say is they'll say, "Hey, do you have any tips for public land bear hunting in <laughs> this area?" and and rather than writing them a novel, I send them the link to that podcast. Let them listen to the podcast. And I said, "Me and Mo Shepard talked about it for two hours. <laughs>
3: Close to it, I think. Uh,
1: we really did, and we spilled our guts. We told we <laughs> told them everything we knew, which w- which was a fair bit of information. But uh, so, Colby, did you learn anything from that podcast? <laughs> I'm you sure didn't I listened
2: to it. Did you? I haven't. Oh, I listened to all of them. From, no, uh, I, from back no, was, I
1: know that's not true
2: I listened to all of those <laughs> uh, no uh, <laughs> I haven't listened to some of the recent ones other than putting them together yeah, but yeah, uh, it's from a different perspective now
1: <laughs> yeah yeah because before it was like you've captured listening. a lot of this from osmosis yeah yeah. just from like hearing like me talk to people on the phone when you're sitting over there yeah. or from videos we watch or from articles when I'm talking out loud yeah like mumbling to myself in the office so colby's probably
3: like a he catches a lot of overdrift you know overdrift yeah yeah, (laughs) you know
2: it would sound like i know what i'm doing and baiting bears with some of these calls
1: (laughs) hey he's pretty good on the phone people call in and and ask a question you know or or a lot of times people subscribe or renew or something online or, or over the phone and they'll talk to colby and they'll be like man i this and this and this and colby just tells them how it is man he's like man you need to
3: Here's your problem. Here's your problem. (laughs) (laughs) So, As long as people think you know what you're doing, you've always got it made. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Mo,
1: what is – okay, here's a question for you. First of all, let me me say, for those of you that didn't hear the last podcast, Mo Shepherd is one of the best hunters that I know, uh, especially as a local hunter. I introduced my buddy last podcast, Scott Brown. Uh, He was on last podcast. And I said that Scott and Andy – are some of the best there is good a local hunters as there are and the way i described it was if you lived in virginia or if you lived in kentucky if you lived in colorado there's there's people that just know how to hunt you know maybe they've not traveled and hunted and whatnot but they know how to get it done in their region in their they their, their woodsmen area. and they're they they're they're accomplished in all types of hunting for their region and i describe Scott and Annie Brown as being as good as as anybody and I would describe you the exact same way Mo. I mean for a for for what for where you hunt you, you what you've done is pretty incredible. And so that's why I have a ton of respect for you as a hunter. So here's my question. <laughs> so we've also on the last couple of podcasts been talking a lot about uh kind of the direction of modern hunting.
3: Yeah, I've heard some of that. So.
1: Yeah, and it's it's been interesting. Um what what is your level of outdoor media intake? Like do you watch The Hunting Channel? Do you buy DVDs? That's something we used to do big. I mean, I did. I've got a rack full of DVDs from the early 2000s through about probably even just 5 years ago. Do you listen to podcasts? And I'm not feeding you want you to say you listen to my yeah. podcast but what's your what's your level of outdoor media intake
3: not a whole lot i listen to uh and watch some stuff on elk hunting when i got interested in going elk hunting right, out west right. but as far as the hunting around here i don't listen to a whole lot don't watch a whole lot most of it is just from experience and talking to other people and how they do or don't do and well, well
1: that's what i thought you were gonna say you are uh you are Fifty... Fifty-nine. Fifty-nine. Okay, okay. In my mind, you're still 50 years old. When I first met you, I think you were 50. Um, A lot of people these days are pretty heavily influenced by outdoor media, you know, and, and that shapes the way that we view hunting. If you grew up watching big deer being killed in Iowa on television over food plots, and then you, you know, that influenced the way that you thought. And then, you know, the last... Fifteen years' has been a big emphasis on, you know, growing deer and managing properties and different things and that can infiltrate people. Partly what I'm interested in is people that are less influenced by that. And I would say that you're that. Yeah, I mean I'm not you're influenced by it. Uh, <laughs> your family homesteaded out here in the mountains. Yeah. In a real rugged part of the Ozarks. In rough times. Back yeah. during
3: the Depression years and all that, yeah. so that's when my well, mom and dad even, both grew up. So,
1: well, but I mean, I'm talking like yeah, that, the Shepherd family yeah, from, from way the 1820s, back, 20s. So yeah, was and 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 I still kind of view you as a just a kind of a primitive, kind of a primitive type hunter. Not that you are shooting. You do shoot traditional archery.
3: Yes, a lot, a lot of, a lot of my even my some of my friends, but even some of my relatives told me that I was born about 100 years too late (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah well
1: no so what do you think of the direction of modern hunting mo i mean just in short we spent the whole two hours in the last podcast talking about it
3: uh in short uh a lot of people because i think people run such a busy life and style stuff they don't take the time that it takes to learn the woods especially out in vast regions of the woods like in the mountains in the washita's or in the ozark mountains and to really do good in my opinion whether you're bear hunting or deer hunting or anything in them, you have to spend time studying the terrain studying the wildlife trails uh just places that deer like to travel where they don't like to travel where they like to sleep or bed and places they don't those places deer and stuff don't like to go yeah and you can hunt all day and find sign in there and stuff, but if it's a place they don't travel in the daytime, you're wasting your time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you'll find lots of sign that deer never travel there in the daytime. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of times you have to hunt those areas that go to those areas or in between those areas where you find all that sign, and that's where I've had a lot of my success over the years, killing nice deer and even bears out in the Ozark Mountains is finding those places. So Yeah. But so, I, I think so that's what's, what's so
1: that on. you you feel like people don't have the time or aren't making the time to to be i mean you know the the question being like the the direction of modern hunting like people are looking for
3: shortcuts i mean like what are you saying i'm saying people are and and there's nothing no fault in it Uh, they just uh i just enjoy spending time out there like I I, I, i go out a lot of times to walk through the woods and i may take my 22 and try to squirrel hunt a little bit but when i'm doing all that i'm looking at stuff uh putting stuff in my memory bank yeah you know this looks good this looks bad this might be a place i want to come check later and see if there's some big deer tracks coming around this trail around through here on the side of this mountain or something other you know if i see it in there scrolling just stuff like that and that's where and like i said people just don't have time to do that or don't take the time because they're so busy scheduled with their kids and and especially the younger generation now you know there's a lot of good hunters out there they're young hunters but I'm yeah. just saying a lot of the younger generation have so much on their plates; They just don't spend the time out there to learn. I and mean, it's it's tough hunting in the mountains. That's why you see so many people now hunting on leases and stuff, which yeah. is nothing wrong with that.
1: Right. But Yeah. Uh, yeah, th- I think the time – we brought that up in one of the last podcasts was that time is different than it used to be, even though, obviously, it's not. time. Yeah. Time is time. We're humans. We're bound by time. But, like, people – with the advent of, of the technology and the efficiency of life, it's like people just don't have the free time that they used to, and that's 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 something we all struggle with. You struggle with it. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, you wish yeah. you had more time out in the woods. Yeah, I do too. There's but, just so much going on. Uh, the world is so hectic anymore. Your work, right. your jobs. Your and see, to me, that is that is the the power and beauty in poeticness, if I could say it, of the outdoor lifestyle is that, that we have chosen, we've made a decision that we're going to value time in the outdoors. And I think that really influences our life more than we realize. Like we grew up in Arkansas. We we grew up this way. We really don't know any different. And what I have seen since I've, you know, kind of stepped onto the national hunting scene and been able to do some traveling and stuff is that the lifestyle that you and I live, which is pretty fairly similar. We live pretty close. We're is is pretty unique. I mean and I and I just feel like there's there's value inside of taking that time, becoming a woodsman, learning the craft. That's a phrase that my uncle Mike Schultz actually on the last podcast used to describe the kind of hunting that we were describing was it's not just a it's not a sport it's not an event it's not a thing we do but it's a craft if it's done if it's done right and you know a, the the idea of craft means that it's more than just it's it's deeper than just going and doing something that there's knowledge behind it there's philosophy behind it there's dedication and discipline and skill and all that stuff and sometimes you know you don't always think about those things but it's important. Yeah. it's important
3: it is it is because it's the the like you said the the that type of outdoor lifestyle is is uh it takes you gotta you gotta make yourself do things that you don't normally where a lot of people don't have time to do and stuff to 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 be successful at it and enjoy it too so yeah that's the main thing is enjoying it so
1: yeah yeah well, hey, there's a couple of things that I wanted to talk to you today about. Um, I want to hear a bear story, number one. <laughs> that's a, That was one of the main reasons I wanted you to come in. It's been a long time since I've heard the bear story. Yeah. I tell that story fairly often, and, and I need to get tuned up to make sure my details are right. Yeah. I told that story to, um, I told that story yesterday. We went coon hunting yesterday. We're... we're in the heart, Colby, of uh Coon Palooza twenty twenty.
2: <laughs> I've been tracking it on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The
1: kids have been out of school. Yeah. And so we've been coon hunting every night. And uh, I, I I took a, a a a new guy that I just met coon hunting. He 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 had been coon hunting before, but it'd been years. And uh, for some reason we got to talking about bears and danger in bears and i told him that there's only two people that i personally know that i would say were straight up attacked by a bear and th- this is a good i'm going to tell the first story and then you're going to tell the second one because okay. you were you were one of those people okay to, and, and i may be able to draw back in my memory bank and, and find somebody else but you were one of them and i told your whole story last night Well, let me tell you a story. And I'm not going to use the guy's name. And it's been years since I've heard this. It's been probably eight years since I heard this story. But it was down in the Washitaws. Okay. And uh, this is a real good hunter down in the Washitaws that I know fairly well, Uh, a little bit older than me. He was hunting on National Forest, walked in before daylight with his climbing stand on his back, got in a saddle, climbed up a pine tree pretty high. I, if I remember, he was like twenty-five foot up in a pine tree. Uh, got daylight, and he looks well. Okay, so he, when he was coming into this saddle, he he walked up the mountain in a real specific way, so as to not, so that the deer and game coming through that saddle wouldn't cross his path. Right?
3: Yeah. Wouldn't leave a scent. Bad scent. That's
1: right. So it wasn't like he just walked down the main trail coming to this saddle. He walked up kind of a peculiar way. Well, he. Gets daylight, sometime after daylight, and he looks down and he sees a bear. And that bear has his nose to the ground and is trailing him, trailing him up the mountain step for step Hmm. where he's come. This is in Arkansas. And, uh, you know, that wasn't that unusual. And he was not interested in the least in shooting a bear. So he just sees the bear and is just watching it. The bear trails right up to the base of his tree smells up the tree looks up locks eyes with him and absolutely (laughs) comes up the tree comes up the tree and he's way up in the tree and you know he's a pretty good real good woodsman actually i mean I, i don't know i don't think he was that afraid at that point he he hollers at the bear you know just like hey get down and moves around and that turns the bear and the bear goes back to the ground And and as I recall a story being told to me, the bear kind of arched his back like a cat and threw his hair up on the back of his neck. I mean, and kind of looked at the guy out of the side of his eye, you know, kind of how they would show aggression Mm -hmm. and went out there a little ways and just shot up the tree again. And this is where the details get hazy for me. How many times this happened? It may have happened three times. It may have just happened twice I know the first time he ran the bear back down the tree the second time he let's just say it happened twice but it may happen three times the the, the the second time he comes up he's trying he's got a he's bow hunting mm-hmm. he's trying to draw his bow and he's going to shoot the bear just right in the face yeah just to protect he by this time he's scared the second charge well he's in a climbing stand. And you know you can't shoot straight down out of a climbing stand with a bow. Yeah. So he's trying to figure out. He keeps drawing his bow and then leaning down in. Mm -hmm. And and eventually, the bear absolutely comes up the tree, and he shoots it through the throat as it's coming over the top of his climber. Bam. Wow. And the very fact that he was able to shoot his bow shows you the angle. Because there's Mm -hmm. no – he couldn't – yeah. Lean down and shoot anyway he shoots the bear just right in the throat as it is coming over the top of his climber and uh, th- the bear was never recovered the bear just poof, hit the ground and, and took off, poof, never found the bear the guy was uh yeah it, it the guy the guy was truly scared as I recall and pretty upset. I mean, just upset like he didn't like bears. That's that's what I heard after that. <laughs> I heard after that, that he, he was not a fan of bears. Yeah. And uh, anyway, that's one of the wildest stories. And, and these are just people that I know, so I'm certain there's other stories that have happened in Arkansas that were like that. And then your story was the second one that was, I would consider an attack. Now, Now, I've been, I mean, bluffed by one, you know, just where they kind of... Yeah, I've been bluffed several feet. times over the
3: years, just jump and or, jump or kind of yeah. thump their feet on the ground. They woof a little bit or yeah. or pop their teeth, ta, 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 yeah. you know, snap. I've had them do that several times. But yeah. usually you holler at them or talk to them and back up, and they'll turn and take off Yeah, you know, most of the time. Well, <laughs> tell us what happened and in, in about what year it was. I don't recall. That would have been about, uh, this is 2019. It was somewhere around 2000 five i guess or six or seven somewhere in that i don't remember the exact year but it was right in the middle early 2000s and uh, i'd uh to make a shorter story out of it i'd oh i want the long story I, mo well i want to get down to where it's at this
2: is my first yeah. time to hear it so i need to I'd, yeah, I'd yeah. Left, i need the full thing. left Not my house
3: it. and uh, where i lived at the time had a lot of good deer country right around in the mountains and and uh i just left my house mid-morning i didn't even get up early that morning and uh picked up my re one of my recurve bows and put my quiver on and and thought well i'm just gonna do a little bit of spot stall hunting with my bow and do a little scouting too it was early in bow season yeah and uh pretty warm that day and i took off and got down in a place where it was pretty thick there's a lot of at that time of the year, anybody that's in the mountains know there's a lot of pawpaw bushes mm-hmm. grow, especially on the north side of the mountains. On the, and
1: it's usually real thick. Real thick thicket. Are
3: And uh, I was in one of those areas, and I'd probably been gone from the house of or something like that. And uh, I remember walking through there, and I, I seen some deer droppings and stuff, and and uh, I'd killed a couple of deer on this fl- little flat bench in here bef- in years past, and I thought, well, this i may want to come back down here and bring me a stand and bow hunt a little bit and about that time something caught movement i seen something moving i thought, oh, there may be a deer right here now so i just stopped and about 20 25 yards from me a small bear cub comes out of the pawpaw bushes right in front of me and i thought well that's cool but mama's around here somewhere so i was how, how big were they they were the small cubs like they've been born that They were born that that winter before. So So probably 25,
1: 25, 30-pound cubs
3: is what they were, about like a small dog. Okay. And uh, anyway, uh, and so I was looking from mom, and I see movement behind the other cub. Look, well, there's another cub. Mm -hmm. And they both get out in this little opening about 20 yards from me, and I thought, well, as long as they're – and they were just like they do, playing on the ground, doing stuff. They didn't see you. They didn't see me or nothing. They were just there, and and I thought, well, I'll just – Ease out of here. Well, I moved back a step or two, and I thought, well, I need to see where she's at because she's around here somewhere. She may be behind me, you know. Yeah. And uh, I've run across sows and cubs before, and usually you can just walk away from them if they see you and just talk lightly to them, and and they'll just let you get out of there. Yeah. I still hadn't seen the mama. Well, about that time, the two little cubs side, they're going to come my direction. (laughs) So they come just right, by
1: chance. They yes, didn't they, see no, you. No, they
3: just turned and started, had their heads down playing, one right beside the other and coming right towards me. And then they got within 10 or 15 yards of me. I thought, this ain't going to be good. So <laughs> in a low voice, I said, hey, hey, like that. And I remember one of them just kind of stopped and looked, and then it saw me. When it saw me, I just kind of had my bow in my hand. I just kind of waved my now bow at it. This is this wooden, wooden recurve bow. Yeah, my recurve bow, one of my recurves. I yeah. just waved the bow at it like that. And it startled enough, they jumped into the bushes right there 10 yards from me probably into those pawpaw bushes. And I still hadn't seen the mama bear, so I don't know where she's at. Well, it made sense. I looked up, and she was coming out the same way the Cubs came. And I thought, okay, she's going she's gonna to scent trail them, so she's going to come towards me. <laughs> yeah. So I start backing up. And when I go to backing up, she sees movement. So she kind of looks towards me on all fours there and looks my way, and I just stop and then – I don't remember exactly what happened then, but I know I thought, well, I need to get on out here. So I don't remember if I said something to her or I just started backing up. But when I did, I didn't know it. And one of those cubs wasn't 10 foot from me. It had climbed up the pawpaw bush and was there looking at me. And when I backed up that time, it uh, did that little ball like they do. Uh, Mm. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, they just. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. That was pretty good. And (laughs) and do that. And when it done that, boy, her head jerked up. And I remember saying stuff like, hey, hey, Mama Bear, I'm not bothering, I'm not bothering, I'm going to get out of here. I just started backing up. And every time I'd take a step, that little cub would, (laughs) and finally she could Mm. see me. And I thought, well, I got to do something different because I could see she was getting in that mode. She was standing there 20, 25 yards from me. I still just had my bow in my hand. You could could see her body posture change. Body posture change. It was more... It's puffed kinda, up, yeah, just kind of drawing up, yeah, so I, so I thought, well, I need to do something a so little louder." So I saw so I hollered at her then I said, "Hey, bear, get out of here, you know, I'm getting out of here, and I started backing up. Well, I don't remember if the cub said something or what, but I know within two seconds she made one loud It's kind of like that, mm. and before I could bat an eye, she was on me. I mean, just mm. like four big leaps, and she was right at me. And I don't remember when i done it, but I stuck my bow between me and her, and she went to biting at my bow mm. and popping her teeth. And I was a holler, just as loud as I could holler and backing mm-hmm. up the whole time. Mm-hmm. And she just kept coming forward, coming forward. I remember a couple times she snapped at me. Mm. And once, I think she even kind of swatted her paw toward me, but she didn't hit me or anything. She just, I don't know, she might have been just hitting leaves. Right, right. I've seen them do that before. Yeah. And, uh. And then she made a lunge at me, and I think she was going to try to knock me down in. And when she did, I was, I guess I was ready. I don't even remember that I'd done it, other than I remember doing it after i done it. When she lunged at me, I jerked my leg up and I kicked her right in the face with my boot. <laughs> <laughs> and she jumped back then, and mm. me hollering this whole time, you know, just hollering real loud, you know, get out of here, get out of here, get out of here. And I just kept backing up and backing up, and she kept coming towards me, and me hollering so at her. So she kept coming after you yes. made contact after with I her? After I hit her in the face, she still came at me, and I went to hollering real loud then. And I remember she came up her close again. I gouged her with the end of my recurve bow right in the face two or three times, hollering at her. And I guess I finally got far enough away from those cubs that she realized I wasn't going to bother them then, so she just stopped. And I just kept backing up, hollering, backing up, and hollering, backing up, and hollering. And uh, she, kept, I think she came towards me a few steps again, and I hollered real loud again, she stopped. And I just kept backing. I never stopped. I just kept backing up.
1: Yeah.
3: And, and uh, when... When I got, I guess, far enough away from her, she didn't feel endangered I was going to bother her cubs. She turned and went into the pawpaw bushes where the cubs were, and I could see them. And she sniffed around them and kind of reared up and swatted that one on that bush, and it come down, and then she started walking off with them. I just kept backing up and got plumb out of sight of them. I probably backed up for 100 yards because I didn't want to turn my back because I didn't know if she might come running back or whatever. Yeah. When I felt safe then, I was out of breath <laughs> and really, <laughs> really nervous. And I sat down, and that's the first time I realized it. I sat down, and sometime during that whole episode, I'd pulled an arrow out of my quiver. i carry a quiver on my side. Okay. And I'd, I'd pulled an arrow out of my quiver and had it gripped in my hand, and I guess in case she'd got me down. Like a, like, I was going to use it for a weapon, I guess. I didn't even yeah. remember doing that. but Yeah. But that was the, that was the whole episode of it. It was pretty yeah. scary yeah golly i mean even how big, today how big do you think she was she was probably a 150 175 pound mama bear yeah about normal female yeah. bear for these yeah. mountains out here yeah. and uh but about wow. 175 pounds too big oh <laughs> <heck> yeah <laughs> yeah
1: but but that, that's a really you know you hear the stereotype of people saying that a sow bear with cubs is real dangerous i have never let me think about that i don't all the sow bears that I've ever messed with, and, and most of them would have been around baits, have been super laxadaisical with their cubs. Yeah. Well, so, I, so I say that to say that is a rare experience. Yeah. Well, I've
3: run across them several times before that out in the mountains and and stuff. And and uh, in fact, two or three years before that, I had one do like your story you was And I had one to smell my scent trail that had two cubs with her. Mm. Smelled it right to the tree. I went up and she ran up on the tree and i hollered at her and she kind of woofed at me a little bit and then dropped down and i was hollering at her pretty loud i was in a climber stand oh yeah in that kind of that same area but not really close to where this happened to me yeah. and that was a couple of years before that and uh, she uh, she went off then and went up to her cubs and they went on around the mountain huh but you know I, she done what you said that guy did i, I watched her i was watching them. i thought that's pretty neat watching these bears yeah. you know little cubs and they were bigger though. They were like uh, year and a half old cubs. Mm. You know, they were probably seventy five, eighty pounds, something yeah. like that. Yearling and uh, yearling cubs, and uh, but when she hit my scent trail, where I just walked came in, right and I don't care what anybody says about rubber boots, anything. I had rubber boots and used <laughs> scent away, and she picked my scent up just like that with them. Yeah. Where I wore them rubber boots in and climbed that just tree, trail, and she come yeah. right to the tree I was in. I'll mm-hmm. be done. But she didn't get really aggressive or anything. She just uh, she she wanted, to, I guess, see where I was at. Yeah. Well, listen to this story.
1: This is this would be like the exact opposite of what just happened to you this year when we were baiting bears on the the we call it the mule bait back in the yeah, we, back we in, in on the mules. we got to go in on the mules, man. When when that bait gets cranking, you better get up in there and bait those bears quick and get out of there quick. That's what I've learned because this has happened several times now. Because you go in and. Uh, <sighs> <laughs> tie the mules up within, you know, as close as you can to the bait, so you don't have to carry the bait very far. Yeah. And uh, you've got about 20 minutes to get stuff done before bears start coming in there. Yep. Well, this year I had Shepherd, my youngest son with me. He's 11. And we had uh, Ace, the mule, and Izzy, the mule, up there. And uh, we had to unshuck a lot of bread and do a bunch of stuff. And so it took us a little bit of time. Well, about 20 minutes in... I see the ears on those mules just, boom, just sticking straight up and you knew something was coming. I knew a bear was coming. <laughs> and uh and I look out and sure enough there's a bear that's kind of just like shadowing the bait, you know, he's just you just see little bits and pieces of him moving around, moving around and, and so we just start working a little bit faster. And anyway, the bear finally stays out there for long enough that it just gets brave enough that it just it just comes walking in. I mean, just, just like it was gonna run us off the bait. And we've got two mules tied to trees right here. After me bite. and Shepard are there. And uh, and that bear it was kinda angling towards the bait, it wasn't coming directly toward it wasn't just like walking straight towards me. But I mean it was walking on a trajectory that was gonna put it probably five yards from me. And finally I I just start talking to it, Hey bear, hey, 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 hey and uh and it kinda bows up just like just like you said, your bear, bear did, and I could tell it wasn't gonna mess with me. And it, it, uh, I mean, I had to get on it and move towards it and stomp around to get it run off. Well, it was a sow with two little bitty cubs, Small and cubs. the cubs were back in the woods, so she sent made them stay out there, and she came in. Well, no sooner than we got done. And we're leading those mules away. We weren't 40 yards from that bait when those two cubs and that sow just came trotting in. And and anyway, the point being that she wasn't afraid of us. Mm-hmm. And she wasn't concerned about those cubs. But your situation was different because there was no human intrusion. No. They didn't know
3: there was a human around. No. And, and I may have been the first why. human that she looked like a young bear, too. I may yeah. be the first human that sow bear had ever seen.
1: Yeah. Yeah, up close and personal, back in her woods. Yeah, out in the the mountains there. Yeah, yeah. I've had only one sow while I was hunting. Well, and I'm thinking of hunting here. I mean, in Saskatchewan, I had that one touched the end of my arrow. Yeah. Um, And then while hunting in Oklahoma one time here, I had a sow that just wouldn't leave me alone, that kept coming around the tree. Now, she didn't have cubs with her. And she ran up the tree a couple of times and got probably within two feet of my platform, but uh, other than that, I've never I've never had an experience like what what you had with one. Hope I never trunk. have another one like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: And I love to bear hunt. So,
1: have you ever ha- had any other like
3: hairy encounters? Well, this year, one got pretty close to me. I think I told you about it earlier in the muzzleloader season. Yeah. On the day I spot-stalk hunting, that early muzzleloader. Yeah,
1: yeah. What happened? I can't remember.
3: Well, I, you, you spot-stalk and stalk bear hunt to see a bear, hopefully, in a year's hunting. That's I saw right. three that one day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, two two look like two-and-a-half-year-old bears, and this third one was probably, uh, I don't know, but it wasn't much bigger. Uh, it might even been these these bears' mama a year ago, before, you know. Yeah, but she was it, this one was away from them. Didn't wasn't none of them big bears, but the last one, when I saw it, it wasn't twenty five yards from me. First tried scene, got pretty close, but they went on about their way. They never smelt me or anything. When this one smelt me, I think that's what it did because it kind of half came up on its hind feet and do like they do. It was. <laughs> You know how they suck that area uh-huh. through their nose trying to smell? Uh-huh. When it did, then finally it dropped down and then just stared right at me and just started towards me. Mm. And I didn't make my mind I wasn't going to kill the bear because I told myself when I went that morning, unless I see a bear that's 300 pounds or so, I'm not going to take it. Yeah. And then I about changed my mind. I thought, bear, you keep <laughs> coming. This 175-pound bear, I may take you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, it got within probably 30 feet of me yeah and uh, but on its all fours and when it got that close i thought well i'm gonna i'm gonna holler at it and if it don't leave here then i'm i'm gonna take it because i had my loader up and ready and and i hollered at it and it kind of half reared up and woofed at me a couple times and dropped down and kept looking over its shoulder and then it mandered off back through the woods but i don't know if it's a male or a female it looked more yeah. like a female because it didn't have a this the way you know their demeanor is their heads are sl- more slender looking to me they are anyway the females yeah. and yeah but that was a that was a close experience and but it, it didn't ever scare me because it never did seem aggressive, but I think it was just wanting to make sure that I was there or something. I don't know. Yeah. Let me tell
1: you two something that's happened to me two different times um, while on the ground with bears, not over bait. Two of the bears that I've killed in National Forest with a recurve in the last three or four years, both of them did the same thing. The bear that I killed over the water that one year, it's on videos so and mm-hmm. people can watch it. That bear came into that water and I was knelt on the ground, you know, eight yards away and it didn't have a care. It didn't see me at all until it like kind of popped into the opening that, that water was in. And it never looked, it never just made straight eye contact with me, but it saw something in its peripheral vision that it didn't like. And that bear slightly changed directions, and jumped into the water over a sapling about as big around as your ring finger. They pushed that sapling over and it was showing aggression. That's what that was That's all what about it was doing. Bears when they're showing aggression, a lot of times they'll walk over saplings or shake trees or stomp. And so this bear kind of made a quick movement and it splashed the water and, and stepped over that sapling. Never looked at me. And I on the comments on that, uh, a couple of people made comments of, uh, I can't remember what it was, but th- they didn't interpret that. But, I mean, th- to me there's no question the bear was showing aggression to whatever I was, and it didn't know. That's number one. Number two, this year, the bear that I killed on the ground. Um, you know, w- we're always so concerned about scent, and you've got to be. But the bear that I killed this year smelled me hundred percent, but not until he was so close. It was too late. If he'd have smelled me a hundred yards away, I would have never never seen the bear. So the bear came in and he was, there was kind of a crosswind, you know, and the bear, I see the bear 40 yards behind me. I'm on the ground and the bears coming to me and there's kind of a crosswind. And I, I I know once he gets to this certain point, he's going to cross my wind. Well, I'm up and around and waiting for him and ready just watching him, I need him to come into my wind. Well, when he hits my wind, he immediately sees me and wins me at the same time, and he tenses up, and he he makes a quick... He makes a quick... Uh, people can't see what I just did. I just mm-hmm. kind of stomped Munched the ground like a like a gorilla stomping the ground. It was nuanced, though. Like, if you didn't know it, you would have just thought he just took a quick step, Yeah. but he was... He was trying to spook me and then he he kind of eyed me and kind of catwalked just a little bit and he didn't just take off sprinting but he changed his direction and by now he's only 13 yards and kind of quartering away so it's actually perfect and i was able to shoot him but both those bears knew i was there and and showed some aggression you know they well the first bear didn't smell me in the pond second bear smelled me and saw me and didn't just bust off running. Yeah. But it's 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 a nuanced deal because, like we said, if it had been 100 yards away, I would have never saw that bear. He would have just turned and left.
3: You know, you know, I've seen a lot of bears through the years, whether I've been turkey hunting, deer hunting, just scouting, whatever, and hunting them too. And uh, and I've seen numerous bears. I've seen numerous that I can remember right offhand, five or six different bears that I've got close to or they've got close to me. And one was during turkey season about three years ago. And when it when it crossed my scent path, it came towards me a ways. And then when I finally let it know I was there, it done just what you said. It just kind of lunged and popped its feet. And it was one of them, I was telling you a while ago. It actually took its paw and swatted some leaves. Uh, uh Slung leaves out in front of it like that and woof, woof, like that. Yeah. And then I hollered at it and it finally turned and walked off. But yeah. It looked like a male that was probably 300 pounds. That's it was a good sized bear.
1: Huh. Huh. Well. Uh-huh. Interesting critters. Interesting yes, they critters.
3: are. They are very interesting, and uh, and they're they're fun to hunt. Whether you hunt them, spot and stalk over bait, however, they're they're an interesting creature. You're pretty good
1: at uh, animal vocalizations, aren't you?
3: Most times, <laughs> <laughs> you got a
1: pretty good. Uh, I was picking what do you think, up on Kobe? that. Yeah, got a pretty good bear yeah. wolf. You know, one thing that I have uh, that totally this is totally off topic of what we're talking about. Yeah, but. uh all the good Arkansas woodsmen that I know are good owl hooters. I knew that was where you were. Mo, headed. Did you? Yeah. Mo's got a good owl hoot. Good owl hoot. Who taught you that? I taught myself that. Did you? Yes, I did. Who, who, you had to have heard somebody do it with their mouth. I mean, did
3: your dad call with his mouth? No, my dad didn't turkey hunt. Yeah. But I did, uh, my brother in law that I first ever turkey in with, he's passed away now, but we hunted quite a bit when I was young. When I was just a teenager, that's who I started turkey hunting with. And uh, uh, he hooted with his voice, but it sounded totally different from mine did, but I kind of watched him a little bit, seen how he huffed air and stuff. And, was he a pretty good turkey hunter? He was a good turkey hunter. Yeah. And, uh, and like I said, he's the first one I ever took that ever took me turkey hunting because my dad didn't turkey hunt. He took me turkey hunting when I was about 15, which yeah. would have been back in 75 uh-huh. when there wasn't very many turkeys out in the mountains. Uh-huh. But uh, that's that's what got me interested, and then when I was probably in my early twenties, twenty one, twenty two, I'd tried a little bit, but it sounded like like you're choking a donkey or something. Other, it didn't <laughs> sound very good, <laughs> choking a donkey. <laughs> but seriously, it, it, and and I got to where I'd be driving to work or whatever, because I didn't want to do it out in the woods while I was hunting. Yeah. I would try it while yeah. I was driving, yeah, or by myself somewhere, you know, where nobody could hear me. Uh huh. And one day. I'd done something and boom, just came all of a sudden out. it came out and sounded <laughs> that sounded like that might be a good owl hoot. <laughs> yeah. So I went to doing it then and then got it vocalized in and and I've been doing it ever since. Can you uh, can you describe how you do it? I, I want I want to hear you do it. You got a, you got the
1: trill. I, I don't know if it's called that. Do you know what I'm talking about, Colby? I don't. So so a barred out. So what what turkey hunters and it and it's become in. I feel like the barred owl is like the, the animal of the South or the bird, the yes, bird of is. the South. Like everybody, Al hoots like dad and I, Al hooted to communicate back when we were hunting, you know, Al hoot. If you do this, Al used to you do, do that, that.
3: one. Uh, like uh, several times I've done it, done it. Turkey hunting. Like of an evening. Me uh, and like me and my, one of my nephews hunt together. I've got a couple of friends I target with. We'll, hoot at each other so we know where the other person's at because we yeah. know what each other's hoot sounds like. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Well, so a Bardow has
1: a, it's got a series of calls. There, there's one full call that mm-hmm. has like six or eight notes. Eight notes. Eight notes. And mm-hmm. then they'll do a half call where there's just like four notes. Four notes. But when they really get serious, they'll do a, a trill. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's
3: the right word, but like a I I call brrrr. it a, I, I call it a kind of a yeah, you cough. Yeah, almost a laugh at the end of it or something and then they yeah. have an actual loud laugh. I call it that. Yes.
1: When they when two of them get Have you ever heard them do I've that learned, Colby? I don't
3: know if I have ever done that, that to you, recall. but I learned to do that. Have you I, ever heard me do that? I, I
1: no, but I've <laughs> I've tried it myself. but uh, Well, let's hear you out. Let's hear
3: you out. Well, you said describe how, how well, okay. Heard. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Because you're right. Th- there's a you 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 pitch the you pitch the noise to the roof of your mouth. Yeah, and and, and it's got to come mouth. and it's
3: got to come out of your vocals down like up just in the upper part of your chest. And where I get it started, I have to get an airlock in my throat. Okay. And I, what I do is I swallow air for about three gulps, and then I break loose and I can get the perfect alto out of it. Huh, really? Yeah. Okay. So you want me to do one? Yeah,
1: I do. Is this too close? It's probably okay. Uh, Maybe,
2: maybe pull it out it little to you go. the side you so you're not moving yeah, yeah, yeah. into it. Yeah. Okay.
3: Yeah. And I'll let you leave and be able to hear the sw- me swallowing there to get ready for it.
1: Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah. And, and once I do that, then I can do two or three hoots like that. But after yeah. two or three, then I have to do the air again. Or like talking I'll now, I'll darn. have to do See, it I, again. Yeah, I've never, I've never seen anybody do that. And I'll do it again. I'll make this in a deeper. I mean, I can make different tones. You probably, of you probably could do it better standing
1: up too, couldn't
3: you? Probably so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but I'll do this one like a deeper, more bigger owl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But same way. <laughs>
2: That's good. It's a global. That's premiere. good. The the global premiere of the
1: yeah. of the the and do you Mo Shepherd bar. Yeah. Oh, this is this is this is Mo Shepherd in rare form right I'm here. I'm
2: excited. I, I,
0: I've
1: That's, heard that they, it sounds <laughs> yeah. just like that. The laugh was good. Sometimes that going. will
3: make a turkey gobble that oh, the regular yeah. hoot won't do.
1: That's right. Huh? Yeah. Sometimes you just have to. Sometimes you just have to give them a three note. Yeah. Some of the real good turkey hunters I've hunted <laughs> with in Arkansas, the, the first note they'll do will just be the just a three or four note, just ooh ooh ooh, ooh. and listen. You know you yep. don't you don't right. want to give them more no, if it's but, only going to take less.
3: Well, and and also a lot of times. You only get one gobble out of a turkey. I know we're talking about turkey now, but you get one gobble out of a turkey a lot of times. With the owl hey, hoot, hey, pull
1: your pull your mic back up.
3: A lot of times you only get. Can you hear that now? There you go. A lot of times you only get one gobble out of a owl hoot or something other. Like and what I've learned, my first one usually is like you said. I oh, let's go. Yeah. Because when you go the eight note, a lot of times that turkey will gobble while you're in your second and series, and you can't tell where you he can't came from. Yeah.
1: Yep. So you you give him the half one. If he, if doesn't, he doesn't answer, then, then, then you hit him then. harder. Yeah. And then if he doesn't answer, then maybe, maybe you do the laugh or whatever. laugh or do it louder. <laughs> yeah. 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 No. Uh, this is highly relevant to bear hunting because <laughs> listen, if you're going to be a bear hunter, yeah, you got to be a woodsman. Yeah. And if you're going to be a woodsman, you gotta, you gotta. I mean, the reason Mo's a good hunter is because he's a good turkey hunter. He's a good deer hunter. He's a good bear hunter. He's a good, hunter, he's a good squirrel hunter. I mean, he, you're out in the woods. I'm out in the that, woods. That's the thing, and that's what it takes. I mean, that's the places that I've been successful—bear hunting in national forest. I've been successful because I know that country real good because yeah. I deer hunt, turkey hunt, bear hunt there. You know, you 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 really do have a difference. You really do have to know the woods.
3: And and a lot of people, a lot of people, I've took hunting with me whether it's turkey hunting or I probably take more people turkey hunting because I'm a I'm a pretty much loner. When it comes to deer hunting, especially if I'm spotting stalk hunting, I want yeah. I don't want nobody else around. Yeah. I, I usually do it by myself, but like in turkey season, I may be walking somebody turkey hunting and when we'll get to spot to take a rest and I'll say, hey, did you notice that, those old rubs there or did you notice that or did you notice there was an old scrape or, or a licking branch that was broke down. 90% of the people that go turkey hunting with they don't even see that stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's you be... that's when
3: you learn a lot of stuff. It's when you're hunting something else, you learn a lot about the other wildlife that's out there if you're yeah. paying attention to the terrain and everything.
1: So. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, tell me about uh, tell me about the deer that you killed this year. Um, we uh, just kind of give me a. You killed a deer in National Forest mm-hmm. in Arkansas. What you what 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 would you call the style of hunting? I don't want to put words in your mouth. I think I know what you're gonna some
3: say. some people call call that style of hunting steel hunting uh, my dad he hunted that way quite a bit. he called it slip hunting,
1: okay that's uh, what I call it
3: uh, anyway but but a lot of people call it steel hunting, but uh, it's just where you you see an area or you know an area you're wanting to hunt you don't want to set in a stand because you don't know exactly where you want to set but you, you and where i use it a lot is in areas where i think deer aren't moving much like this year we had a big mass crop early deer don't have to move a lot for to to get their food and stuff unless they're in a rut chasing does so that's why i do it sometimes and my favorite time to do it is in when there's a good steady wind where i can hunt into the wind or what i really like is a steady wind and a light drizzly rain or something like that that yeah that, that, kind of muffles my movements and my noise, my sounds I make. But uh when you're slip hunting or steel hunting, my biggest thing to you, when you think you're moving slow enough, slow down about ten times from what you think you're moving.
1: (laughs)
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: And and when I like I may I may I may take two steps, I may take ten steps, I may may take twenty steps while I'm moving along. But I'm I'm careful what I don't I try not step on twigs and stuff i feel them with my feet i don't watch my feet because you got to watch ahead of you all the time above yeah, and below yeah. you in, in front of you but uh and when i do stop i try to stop at a place where i think i can see a little better and i may stand there for five seconds i may stand there for 30 seconds i may stand there for 10 minutes once i get there if i feel you just get a feel for it right and uh and uh that, that's how i hunt and another thing i think a lot of people do they get to where they can see good, but they go too far. Mm-hmm. Like if you're hunting on a ridge or on a bench and you get to a place where there's a little draw or a little holler makes up and you can see the other side of it, don't get that far. Get When you get to where you can just barely see where you need to see. I see. Mm-hmm. That's when you want to stop and you want to really concentrate and look everything over before you go any farther. Mm-hmm. Do you
1: find that the success you've had, are you killing deer after you've stopped and they come into your view or, majority majority
3: or, of them is that away
1: so so it's when you've stopped
3: Yes, most of them I've killed and it then, at, it's when I've stopped and, and they're like looking deer. or standing there and and uh, now like the deer this year he was a little different. It was raining wind was blowing in my face. I was on a little narrow bench on a steep mountainside. I was in an area where I knew does bedded some. It's one of the areas I've hunted for years. Uh, I've killed other deer there in the past. And uh, and I went a little ways, and I'd stop. I don't know. I went four or five different spells of easing along in that drizzly rain. And I just stopped for a little bit, probably a minute, and hadn't noticed anything. And there was a break out in front of me there where i could see off on another little flat i knew this flat's there from years of experience from being in there i only made about two steps though slow steps and movement caught my eyes and i just froze right where i was at to stop i sat there or i stood there and i stood there and i stood there and i could not never see nothing i told myself i right, it was just the rain leaves falling off the trees or something mm-hmm. i started to step again I thought, like, no i don't think that's what i seen so i stood there a little bit longer again i started to move again i thought like, no that was something made movement Mm. there and then about that time it moved again and the first thing i seen was that 10 or 11 inch tine on the top of that deer's head turning he'd stood up out of his bed Mm. Uh, that's what i'd first seen Oh, be darn and he was trying to figure out he'd either seen me or heard me or something because he was looking he was turning his head looking towards you and that's what i seen then was the movement Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh and when i saw that tine i didn't know if he had Two more to go with it, or four more, or six more. But I knew with that long a time, he was probably a really nice deer. Yeah. And I said, if if I get a shot at him, I'm gonna take it with my muzzleloader. Yeah. And finally, he turned again and and kind of moved his front end a little bit and gave me an open shot at about sixty five yards. And I shot. And long story short, when the smoke cleared, I didn't see nothing. I said, Well, I guess I missed him
2: because
3: <laughs> he was on that flat right on that break. Where I was fixing to go look over there, so I. Got my muzzle and I reloaded it and everything. Just kept looking, I didn't see anything. Thought well I'm gonna ease out there and see if I can find some blood. I went about probably ten yards and I seen something moving in. I stopped and it was one of his tines. He was laying on the ground. He was trying to raise his head up a little bit.
2: Uh-huh. He had
3: fell right there where I'd shot him. Oh wow. Oh. And he was just a, he was a really nice mountain I call him mountain bucks. Uh, out of those arc mountains up here on, on public land, he was he was about seventeen inches inside. But his horns were great, big around, had a lot of mass to them. Uh, his G G twos were around ten inches. I never did a- actually measure them. Uh, and then he just went out and had big crab claws. And I think his beams are right at twenty four inches. That's length a of the beam. that's
1: a big beam.
3: And uh, he's a he's a dandy deer. So mm. Yeah, really proud of that deer. D- so. are-
1: Heck, I should have had you bring the rack. Have you got the rack?
3: No, it's at the taxidermist. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't sure if you were mounting it or. I hadn't had it. one mounted since that big one I killed three years ago. Yeah. But
1: uh, yeah, yeah. Well, man, that's some. You gave some good tips there that I like. You know, hunting when the weather conditions are in your in your favor yeah. for spotting and stalking for slip hunting, um, you know, wind movement or. The wind covers up so much movement. You can get away with a ton of stuff if there's about a seven to twelve mile, 12 mile, mile wind that's
3: moving branches and leaves and yeah, stuff like yeah. that.
1: Yeah, and then and then if you can walk quiet when it's super dry, which a lot of times in the fall it is. A lot of times in the fall it's it's dry, and uh, you know it's tough to slip around much
3: and quiet. I, what I've learned about being being quiet in the dry woods is take really small steps you know what i'm saying that short stride look i mean like just nearly foot toe to heel okay and and you can do that and feel your way through and keep your eyes on what you're doing and you know you're going to be looking you see a log there you're going to step it will get up to it and then ease over that log one foot and then Mm -hmm. the other
2: yeah so you're putting your toe down first and then no oh heel heel i'm saying
3: don't take big steps so just oh gotcha just about that far is what I'm talking about. Uh, okay, you know, just yeah. about the length of your feet, step at a time. Just like and, you're trying to walk out and measure how far you're yeah. going. And and don't even, I don't even really pick my feet up much. It may even rustle the leaves a little bit, but it's it's no loud noise that's going to spook a deer or anything. Mm-hmm. It's it's just like a little rustle of the leaves when you're scooting them in the leaves like that slow. So Yeah. Yeah. When you take big steps, you can't control. Once you take a big step and if you step on a twig, if you're stressed out there, what I've learned, you can't. Keep from breaking it.
1: Yeah. When I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah.
3: When you take a short step, you can feel that stuff under your feet. Mm-hmm. And you don't step on it. If you feel it, then move your feet back, shorten it, then step across it with your other foot. So. You
1: know, when you think about noise, really the sharp, loud noises are when you break sticks. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, leaves obviously make a lot of noise, but how far can you hear, especially if you're firearms hunting, if you're taking the short, soft steps into crunchy leaves, you know? How far can a deer hear that? I don't know. He he can hear a stick a lot further. That's my point. Yes,
3: me too. And and, and, I, and I've I have I have walked up on a few deer in their beds that I've spotted in their beds in dry conditions, and I think it's because there's no loud noise. It's just a kind of rustle of the leaves that you do yeah. with your with your feet. Yeah, yeah.
1: you know who? Uh, it'd be fun to have you and James Lawrence on the same podcast. <laughs> yeah, James has made a living slip hunting he really has i mean that's his preferred way to hunt is just slipping 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 and uh he does the same thing i mean he uh i've never heard him i've never get, been able to get him really to distill down the principles it's not because he's hiding anything i think he just does it now he, he he has talked to me about walking in the woods and and. the uh, he t- he's told me his uncle taught him when he was a little boy how to walk quiet in the woods. But, but well, anyway, my dad, it's my dad a neat way, way me
3: that, showed me that, talked about, and and he said, like, when you're going, and same thing, if you're slip hunting, I'm going to put this in there real quick, because was talking about yeah. it. If you're slipping, slip hunting up the side of a hill or up a ridge, you know, I told you a while ago, uh, I think the biggest mistake people make when they're moving through the woods is stop when you can barely see over that. Mm-hmm. to that next flat or the next point on the ridge or the next bench yeah. don't walk up where you can see good because i've done that and i've learned from the past when you do that a lot of times you don't see them and they're already moving gone which you have no shot at when yeah you know, if you barely break over and really scan stuff out if, if one's laying there in its bed and that's when i've seen most of them in their beds is coming up a ridge or up a hillside over I a see. little bench yeah and see them mm-hmm. i've done that to a big bear once hmm. but i wasn't bear hunting i was deer hunting and and I couldn't take the bear because the quota had already been met in the Ozark Mountains a few years ago. Yeah. It's been about 10 years ago. Yeah. And a big bear was just laying there out on the ground. He was probably a 300 pound bear Mm. or bigger. Wow. And he was about 30 yards from me and He never knew I was nowhere around. I just eased up. And when I saw him, I just froze and watched him for a little bit. I was rifle hunting. Mm -hmm. And it was around Thanksgiving. And he was just laying there. He wasn't asleep. He was just laying there, just stretched out.
1: Stretched out.
3: Just stretched out you know all fours just kind of spread out like they lay sometimes i know uh, you've probably uh-huh. seen pictures of them they'll do that sometimes at bait sites lay out mm-hmm. like that yeah and i just eased back over the hill went on around the mountain went on about my hunt Oh, know.
1: Nice. huh he never that's some
3: anywhere good around. that's
1: some good slip hunting tips right there it is um now you uh you passed a couple of deer too slip hunting this year, yes, I did um, you, you had a good hunt where you could have killed a buck yeah, later, I, but you waited,
3: yeah, it was during the rifle season uh I think it's like the second week in the season. It was another day where there was a little bit of rain, the woods were damp, and uh there was a steady wind blowing that day and uh, uh i was I was hunting in an area where it's pretty steep in there and uh so I was I was hunting. It's real steep, and there's not many points in there. It's just kind of hillside with little draws and or little hollows. Some people call them little hollow. But when you get on the end of a little hump there, you can see back in a hollow. And, and I would just ease my way around to where I could barely see in there. And about the probably the third or fourth little draw I came to, I just eased and and I thought, man, this is this is a good spot here. There ought to be something in here and by the time I looked and this deer was coming, I'd stopped, and this deer was coming down the hill, had his nose around. He was scenting for does, mm. and uh, he was probably 70 yards from me, and, and uh, when I first saw him, I thought, that's a pretty nice deer, so I got my gun up in my hands. I had it on my shoulder at the time and got it off and got it up in my hands and watched him come down there, and he got a little close to me, not much, but then, uh, like I said, he was a nice deer. He had either eight or nine points, had pretty nice tines, but he was a young deer. I could just tell his body wasn't built big or anything, and I'd already taken that bigger deer earlier, and and uh, thought maybe this deer will live. He may not live two hours later than that. I don't know, but yeah. but uh, I let him go that day, and then uh, and then I had another deer. that He wasn't that big, but uh, I think he was just uh, he may have just had six points, but same way I, I I got up on him and he was feeding. He was feeding on uh, black gum berries, and mm-hmm. uh, and I I saw him while I was moving, but he was huh. looking the other way. He was facing away from me, but I had the wind in my favor. The wind yeah. was from the deer to me, and I saw him. And when he raised his head, then I saw horns, and I got excited. And I, no, he's not very big, but yeah. it's fun seeing those deer hunting like that.
1: So. Yeah, it is. Well, hey, you g- you gave some good good slip hunting tips there. And that that kind of stuff can be applied really anywhere. I mean, you could take those tips to out west and, and I've used and them use bow them. hunting
3: for elk out in the Rocky Mountains. The same scenarios, yeah. sort of, yeah. Especially when they're not bugling.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, I I forgot to mention this. Um, In so in 2011, I wrote an article about you in the. Uh, a magazine that we used to publish here in Arkansas mm-hmm. and I I told Colby there's only a few times in my adult life that I have invested full energy artistic energy into drawing <laughs> something I, I I, I, as a kid I drew a lot I mean I was an artist you know you and thought
3: you, you were I thought I was yeah exactly
1: <laughs> and uh it, it when when uh you told me that story I was like man we gotta have a way to depict that and so I drew this picture and I'm pointing at this picture in a two thousand eleven issue of this old magazine. Yeah. And it's and it's a picture of Mo backpedaling. And see the pawpaw? I mean, those those yeah. look like pawpaw trees, Mo. Yes, I mean they do. this is like this is like shagbark
3: hickory. You've done
1: pretty good. <laughs> look, can you okay, can you tell what kind of tree that is right there?
3: Uh yeah, that's a hickory.
1: Okay, and what that's, kind of,
3: that's a white oak.
1: What about this one?
3: That's a uh that's a big red oak.
1: Maybe, maybe I'm thinking <laughs> white oak. But the pawpaw, yeah. So, yeah. People, will put this, uh, yeah, this image of Mo getting attacked by a bear. The little <laughs> cubs are up in the pawpaw tree. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm trying like crazy to find the original drawing of that, and I I haven't been able to locate it yet because it's it's been years. But um, I like that drawing. I <laughs> like it. I like that story, man. That's a cool story, but. Well, hey thanks for hey this is the first podcast of 2020 when this comes out it'll be it'll 2020, be
3: 2020. Mm-hmm. yeah
1: so so you were uh you were on the podcast a little earlier than this last year but it was December sometime in December yeah. last year that we did it but not nah, man I I always like to have people on here that are authentic mo that's that's a qualification for me when, when I have people on and and you fit that bill to the T, and uh, and uh, anyway, I always learn something when I talk to you, and uh, so, Colby, do you have any closing thoughts or questions for Mo? And I feel like I want to go
2: out there and just see what I can get on. <laughs> I think I go too fast whenever I'm moving around. I think that's the biggest thing, well, that and the fact that uh, I tend to get out in the opening instead of, you know, I don't know, just need to slow down and just use my eyes I feel like I use my ears too much you yeah know? you
3: know you'll see 10 times more stuff than you hear
1: mm-hmm. yeah and especially if and, they're not s- and so many people so many
3: people that I mean I do this even when I'm stand hunting but it, it really applies to you when you're spot and stalk hunting or still hunting or slip hang however you want to call it uh is look for something out of place mm-hmm. don't look for a deer don't look for a bear look for something that just don't look right yeah yeah uh, i mean uh i don't know how many deer i've killed out in the mountains that way just something didn't look right and i just kept looking at it and kept looking at it. and then look off and look back and then if it changing yeah there is something there because it don't look just like it did <laughs> yeah was...
1: yeah
2: yeah yeah so i think there's a lot of things i just need to train in my mind you know
3: and like i said when when you're when you're and there's places when you're slip hanging or whatever that you may not need to move slow. You may be in a spot where you've already looked this whole thing over. Mm-hmm. And and uh, if you want to cover a little more ground, you might go 30, 40 yards on a place you've already examined. And it's not going to affect you because it may be in a low place yeah, where yeah, nothing's yeah. going to see or hear you. But then when you come up over something and get to a crest where something can see mm-hmm. now that hasn't been in your view, that's yeah. when you need to really slow down again. So. Yeah. I guess
2: my question would be how do you handle like an open area? You know, like, because whenever you're talking, it's almost like, in my mind, it's like when you're coming up on, like, some opening or something where you can see, mm-hmm. do That's, you cross that opening?
3: Not really. Like, my one of my favorite things to do is, like, if I'm, like, say I'm on a side of a mountain where there's a big bench, yeah. where maybe, uh, Clay probably knows what I'm talking about. There's there's benches on the side of the mountain, just like where you hunt in the washi where I call them... Uh, it's where bucks like to chase and look for does and stuff, mm-hmm. where the mm-hmm. does are feeding or where they're bedded on these big benches. I don't go around. Right, I don't go across that bench.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I go below it, down on the hillside, and I may even get out of the side of that bench for twenty or thirty yards, and mm-hmm. then ease back up like I was telling you a minute ago. Ease up where you can see on it.
2: and yeah. I, I might stay saying. in that
3: position and go, you know, ten foot or whatever, and look again to get a different perspective of what you're looking at. Then I may drop back over a little bit move around a little farther and ease back up again. Yeah. Because when you're on a place where you can see good, mm-hmm. the deer can see way better than you can. Yeah. So if you're moving yeah. through those open areas, like you said, that's a good yeah. question. Yeah. If you're yeah. moving through those open areas. uh you're, so more you're, you're saying skirt,
1: skirt the open areas.
3: Skirt the open areas. Whether yeah. it's And like I said, and one, another one of my favorite things to do is, if I'm in a, like some of the mountainous areas out there, well, they'll have benches, but then above them, there'll be a, just a little shelf that may, may not be 10 foot wide. But it's a place easier to walk. That's one of my favorite places to slip hunt, especially if I'm rifle hunting. is be a hundred yards from a big bench or something other, and be up on that hillside looking down at it. Mm-hmm. Especially during the day, because the thermals are bringing that air up the hill, so it's bringing it off of that big bench up into where you're at in that steep ground. Mm-hmm. So they aren't going to smell you or bears, whatever you're after. Yeah, but you're up there, kind of in the stuff, and and. You've got background behind you because you're on a steep hillside. They're out here looking into that hillside. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. So. Yeah. 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 That's good. Good. Is that your only question? <laughs> I'm sure
2: more will come up. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm thinking more about, like, how I just need to adjust, like, my mentality. I mean, because yeah. it's, it's almost like there's a a process to it, and there's probably more that if I'm, like, looking into inside of, of those tactics and things it's probably there's probably other things that while i'm doing those things that i'll learn just from yeah. like being intentional well i, I learn
3: something every time i go out into the woods yeah you do if you're if you're really intent on paying attention paying attention you learn something every time you're out there yeah whether it's about yeah. the game you're hunting or another type of game that you may be hunting another part of the year but you can learn stuff just by paying attention
1: yeah all right well Thanks, Mo. Appreciate it. I enjoyed it. Happy New Year, man. Y'all too. Happy New Year. Keep the wild places wild because that's where the Bears live.